Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship. As always, an extra special welcome to our family and friends joining us from across the country and around the world, especially today where we celebrate our diversity in worship. As well as our Minister Katrina this morning, we'll also hear the voices of Mary and Ian, Tamara, Talash, Stuart and Perio, Holly, Elham and Ali, Esan and Leo. And of course, we'll hear Paul on keyboard. Very shortly, Freya and Sarah will be lighting our candle and we're all invited to light a candle of our own if we'd like to do that. Just a wee reminder for the trustees that we have a short meeting after this service. So as soon as the breakout rooms close, please uh, remain in the main room and we'll begin just as quickly as we can. Then at 7pm this evening, our evening worship will be led by the Reverend Liz Johnson-Blythe from Wellington Church. Tomorrow marks the start of Christian Aid Week. And uh, you'll remember there was an article in this month's key uh, about the particular details of this appeal. There's also a link there that takes you through to the Just Giving page that Katrina's set up for us to make our donations. However, in case you've lost your copy of the key or deleted it, I'll send an email during this week that just has the link and nothing else. A couple of pieces of lovely family news. The first is just to say congratulations to Petri, who starts a new internship tomorrow. Um, first days are always tricky, and I expect it's extra tricky in these particular circumstances. So congratulations, Petri. We hope it goes well tomorrow. And congratulations to Walter, who celebrates a big birthday on Wednesday. We're in the season of big birthdays. Walter, we hope you have a lovely day on Wednesday and many happy returns. Now, as you know, Katrina's on leave next Sunday, so morning worship at 11am will be led by the Reverend Amanda Quick from Leaven Baptist Church. And in the evening at 7pm, Robin Green and Christine Johnston from Wellington will curate the first half of a two-part reading of the Gospel of Mark. Now over to Freya and Sarah to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is a light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
as Anne's already said, today we are going to delight in celebrating the diversity of our own cultural and contextual experiences of church. And our opening prayer this morning is an English translation of a prayer from Tanzania. So let's come to God in prayer. Thank you, Lord God, our Heavenly Father, that you are always so merciful to us. Thank you that you have created us in your own image so that we may love you, glorify you and serve you. Thank you for the many blessings you give us day by day. Food, clothing, shelter, children, partners, friends, rainfall, sunshine, changes of weather, winter, summer, spring and autumn. All these and many other graces show us how great and merciful you are to us, your children. We are sinners who do not deserve such blessings. But since you are merciful, kind and just, you provide these things without any cost. Thank you also that you have revealed yourself to us through Jesus Christ, your dear son, who came on this earth and died for our sins. Thank you that you have sent us your Holy Spirit so that he may guide us in our Christian path. We ask you to continue to bless us day by day and give us courage, hope and strength so that we may continue to follow and serve you faithfully. We ask all this through Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
the many unexpected blessings of moving to Zurch, as we are now calling it, online church and live online church, has been the discovery of how wonderful it is to hear voices from not just across the country, but also across the world. I have loved the fact that we've been able to experiment in so many ways over the last year and and that everybody who's here today and, and those who aren't for whatever reason have shared that journey with us. There's been a lot of stuff recently about blended worship and hybrid worship and online worship, and there's definitely two tracks emerging. There is the perfect performative version, which uses a lot of pre-recorded stuff. Nothing goes wrong. The sound works, the PowerPoints behave, and Zoom can't crash. And then there is the authentic, experiential, experimental version, the strand of which we, now I discover, are actually quite far ahead of the game compared to many other churches that says, well, sometimes it will go wrong. Sometimes Zoom will crash. Sometimes the PowerPoint won't work. And that's great. And so today we're kind of doing quite a few things rolled into one. First and foremost, we are celebrating one aspect of the diversity that is Hillhead Baptist Church. We're looking at ourselves through the lens of cultural and congregational diversity or cultural and contextual diversity, the cultures that have shaped us and and the context in which we find ourselves. There are many other lenses we could have used, but that's the one we're using today. And very briefly, I'm going to be sharing some thoughts around contextualisation and enculturation, which are just fancy words for how Christianity expresses itself in different times in different places. But first of all, let's just enjoy hearing some voices, four different voices, five different voices, in fact, apart from mine, which is is definitely a relief. Some will have pictures to share, some will have sound to share. Any of it might work, all of it might fail, but it doesn't matter because what matters is we are together sharing each other and sharing our experiences of God. And so I'm going to hand over to Tamara, who is going to begin by sharing something from Germany. Yes, hello everyone. Um, I want to start with a quote. It is, even if I knew that tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree. It is one of the most famous quotes of Martin Luther, who you see here uh, on the picture. And you cannot get around in Germany without noticing Martin Luther. In fact, you learn a lot of him in schools, in churches, in different institutions. And sometimes it even seems a bit obsessed, like when I had to read a text about his love life with Katharina von Bora, a former nun, and how that contributed to his theology. So um, some interesting facts. So, as you may know, Martin Luther was the man who lived from 1483 to 1546. And um, he was a monk at some point uh, for the Catholic Church. 
And uh, of course, he was one of the most important figures in the Reformation, so the separation from Protestants um, from the Catholic Church. As you see in the next picture, um, this is where he translated also the Bible into German so people could read it actually and not just the um, theology scholars and priests. So he hid in this um, castle, which you can see here. Um, and he is, of course, famous for the 95 Theses um, that he pinned on a church door. And he thought, um, or he lectured about salvation and eternal life, that they are not earned by good deeds, but received as a free gift through Jesus Christ. And in Germany, as I said, we celebrate him quite big. And um, in 2007, we actually had the Lusa year. Um, it was a whole year dedicated to him. And it was the fifth hundredth anniversary of him pinning the thesis to the church door. The next picture just shows one example of creative ways that were used to celebrate Luther. For example, for children, you had these Lego figures um, to play with. And every city where he once set a foot inside had some sort of celebration activity thing going on the all year around. In fact, in that year, the 31, 31st of October, the date of the pinning of the thesis was a national holiday here in Germany, but only in 2017. The next and last picture uh, shows one more interesting thing from his life. Marburg, where I am currently living, um, is one of the only places where Luther and another great theologian um, Zwingli met, and it is one of the most important theological meetings was held here during the Reformation in 1529. It is a Marburg colloquy. Um, there was a huge argument between Luther and Zwingli um, about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, but they did not come to an agreement. But to this day, the University of Marburg, where I work, is the oldest still remaining Protestant university. And at the, uh, why I'm telling you all this is that often in schools, churches, and wherever we talk about religion and quote the Bible, we are still using the Martin Luther Bible and sometimes also other translations, but often it is incorporated in the sermon in some ways. So yes, it is hard to acknowledge, uh, to not acknowledge Martin Luther um, in Protestants here in Germany, and I think most of them are happy to talk to you about him, because like he said, you're not only responsible for what you say, but also for what you do not say. Kwa shangwe, that that little song just means in, enjoy, we praise you, O Lord. My home church is now named Christ is the Answer Ministries to take into account its massive growth over the last two decades. But when I was growing up, it was the Nairobi Pentecostal Church, a smaller congregation with familiar faces who sat in the same pews each week and with whose voices mine could easily blend. And this is how I've always related to this church. Although it's a big church, service or ministry always gave an opportunity to create more intimate connections. From the visitation ministry where people would visit the sick in hospital to the women's and 
men's ministries, which gave space for gendered conversations around faith, to the drama and choir ministries, to the various youth ministries, to the Bible exposition ministries for young adults, which is now known as the Saturday PM. I found my home at the Saturday PM within the praise and worship ministry. For context, Christ is the Answer Ministries has about 20 assemblies in East Africa with a broader com congregation of about 45,000 people. The assembly that is my home church welcomes around 10,000 of those congregants in three services every Sunday. Our Saturday PM ministry is home to about 300 worshipers and our worship team is about 20 people strong. Helping to lead the congregation into the presence of God at the beginning of every of that evening service was an incredible experience. As you might imagine, our praise and worship sounds slightly different from HBC, HBC with uh, lots of drumming. <clears throat> Alongside an active band, we sang and danced to lively songs of praise in Kiswahili, a host of Kenyan languages and languages from across Africa and in English. And then we led the congregation in worship and prayer, committing the service ahead to God. In order to gel as a ministry within the PM, as we called it, we had an active WhatsApp group to share daily Bible passages as well as personal news. I'm still part of the WhatsApp group, even if I haven't been there in two years. Uh, we also met twice a week for about two hours, once, once for prayer and Bible study, and then another session for practice. Spending that time with each other made us a family. It took the edge off standing in front of a congregation and trying to remember all the harmonies we had practiced and stepping into the dance moves as, the emerge, as they emerged during the song service. Because of this friendship, we also sang at each other's weddings and other major events in our lives. Praise and worship is such a special experience that once or twice a year, the Saturday PM would have an, an entire praise and worship service. I've always felt that God is closer when we sing together. And it's the same now as it was during the Saturday PM. A song from our sisters and brothers in the Middle East, centering on that precious word, Salam, peace. So as we sing, let's pray with them for that peace which surpasses all our understanding. Thanks. <laughs> 
Just a few words of explanation for those um, perhaps uh, a little bit newer to Hillhead as to why we're talking about Nepal. Uh, Hillhead is the church that I grew up in, but in 1983, I was commissioned from uh, Hillhead Baptist Church to work with the Baptist Missionary Society in Nepal. While there, I met Purio. We fell in love and we were married in Nepal and we returned to the UK in uh, 1989. But five years ago, I was able to go back and I've made three more recent visits. So this is a little bit about the church as it was and as it now is in Nepal. Uh, in the early 1950s, there were no churches in Nepal and literally just a handful of Christians. But now there are over a million Christians in the country. When we were in Nepal, there were no church denominations. The um, Mission societies, when they were allowed to go into Nepal, went in together and worked interdenominationally. So the church uh, was not uh, divided into denominations, but there was very direct persecution of the church. You, you were liable to a year in jail for becoming a Christian or six years in jail for trying to persuade somebody to become a Christian. So the churches were fairly low key uh, and in the town where we were in Tansen, this was our church building. It was the only church when we started in Tansen. Uh, the church split into two. And in fact, our wedding was the first event that the two churches worked together on after the split. Church in Nepal is on Saturdays, not Sundays. This is the inside of the church. Uh, men sitting on one side women sitting on the other. Uh, service would be two hours at least long and most of the time sitting cross-legged on the floor. So it was always my right leg that went numb. Uh, would be open, people would wander in and out. So would the occasional chicken, goat and one service was even disturbed by a snake coming in. The chap leading the service there, Philip uh, Young, no Bible school training. There was a Bible school in Kathmandu, but it was working as an underground organization. Uh, students were enrolled as typing students. Um, Pirio was involved in helping with the Sunday school. Uh, we occasionally had neighbors and uh, from our village in the house were able to share the Christmas and Easter story, but uh, things were on generally fairly low key. This is the church in Tansen as it is next now. Uh, it has changed hugely. Uh, the church has for many years been able to be more open. Uh, there is less official persecution, but there are still uh, radical Hindus uh, trying to make life very difficult for, for the church. So it's far from, from an easy situation. Inside the church now, there are seats, still men on the right, women on the left. Um, they have gone very upmarket with their IT, as you can see. Their services will still be services of hymns, Bible re readings, long sermon. What I noticed most different was the time of prayer, open prayer. That would be one of the few times when you were standing and everybody would be praying out loud at the same time. And uh, that uh, was, was very different for me.
On the centre of the screen there is Durga. He's one of the church leaders in Tansen. Now, he was one of Purio's colleagues in the operating theatre. And uh, the church in Nepal still has very many problems, but there are now several Bible schools in Kathmandu, and there's a lot more training available. There are many churches in Tansen and the surrounding area now, rather than just the one that we were in. Uh, so the church in Nepal still has a, a lot of, of major problems. On the left here, you can see Joy. She is um, from Dumfries, uh, Joy Ransom. She's working with BMS in Nepal. She returned to Nepal recently and caught COVID. Uh, she is recovering, uh, but please do remember Joy and others serving in Nepal uh, in these difficult days. Uh, so for us, as, as well as being part of the Nepali church, we also had our own church fellowship in the hospital and uh, community health program. So we met on Saturday evenings and that was very much an international and interdenominational experience. We lived in a Christian community and it was a wonderful experience to be part of that. Um, Nepal is facing huge problems at the moment. The hospital had 22 new patients needing oxygen the other day. Uh, and uh, please rem remember Nepal in your prayers in these very difficult times. So um, I have a very different story to those that we've heard from so far this morning. Um, not least because as the crow flies, my home church is just over 100 miles from where I'm sitting now. Um, not not hugely far. And actually, at the, the time that I was there, the demographics of the church and the style of worship were very similar to Hillhead. I want to tell you a little bit about why my church was so special and why I look back on my time there with such love and fondness. Um, I grew up in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. Some of you will know that that denomination is, is deeply conservative, but I grew up in a really weird little church. Um, it's actually a weird big church with about 300 members um, called Stormont Presbyterian Church. And thankfully, I'm a bit of a pack rat, so I don't have to come up with my own explanation about why we're special. I can read to you from this, which is a church magazine from 2007, <laughs> um, where my minister, when he was retiring, wrote a little bit about why he thought the congregation at Stormont at that time were so special. Um, you'll be a bit of a flavour here about why Stormont wasn't hugely popular with the rest of the PCI at that time. We are biblical, but not biblicist. We do not make an, an idol of the Bible, and we know it is not the primary word of God, which is Jesus, nor do we hold it to be free from errors or compatible with modern science. It holds the word of life, which the Holy Spirit releases into our hearts and minds, but we are not slaves to the letter. When we read it, we listen for the word of God. And from another part of this amazing letter, which I think I could just hold up somewhere and say, this is my theology, this is where it comes from. Ron said, we are evangelical, but we are not enamoured of evangelicalism. We see the good news of Jesus and we will never use it as a tool for blaming, condemning, repressing, manipulating, or bullying and beating people up spiritually. We handle the good news of Jesus in an open way not in a fanatical or narrow-minded way. Um, unfortunately, when Ron retired in 2007, 
the new minister took the church in a much more conservative direction. And that caused a split in the congregation. The church I knew and loved ceased to be. And a few years later, when George and I um, got engaged and it became known that we were going to get married, um, I found myself being publicly denounced from the pulpit. And my uh, friends and family who were still members of that church were privately counselled not to attend my wedding. Sadly, that reflected the direction of the PCI as a whole. And in 2018, the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland, where I grew up and where all of my family worship, voted to remove people in same-sex relationships from communicant membership and to refuse to baptise the children of same-sex couples. So that brings me to this blessing, which I'm going to screen share. There it is. Hopefully you can see this. Oh, oh, oh. Stop. <laughs> We, we all see it now and I'm not singing. <laughs> That's all I'm aiming for. Okay. So um, the practice of the PCI is to say or sing the words of the ironic blessing at important milestones in our lives. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So at my baptism as an infant and my confirmation, these words were sung over me by my church. When our civil partnership was blessed at St Mary's in 2012, it became incredibly important to me to have the sung ironic blessing at the service. Some of you might remember my hunting for it, because when I looked for the setting that I was familiar with, I found that it hadn't made it into the modern Presbyterian hymn book that I owned. It hadn't made it into any hymn book I had in my house, which were many. Um, wasn't in CH4, wasn't anywhere, couldn't find it. Um, and this led to my Auntie May, my great aunt, um, Stormont, um, I think possibly still is an elder of Stormont, to photocopy the um, words of the and the music of the blessing and to send it over to me with her own blessing as you can see in this image. So I wanted to take the, this opportunity to, to thank some people from Hillhead who chose to bless us at our, our wedding. I wasn't able to articulate at the time why the giving of this blessing was so important to me. But I guess I, I was starting to realize at the time that I didn't have a church to go back home to. I tried to find a recording of this setting, um, but it wasn't in any of the recorded services I have access to. So you'll have to make do with me singing it. I also tried loads of times to sing it faster, but apparently there's a metronome somewhere inside me that refuses to let me do that. So uh, uh, this is what you've got. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Mm -hmm.
chapter 22, 24 to 30. او را سپاس گویید. ای فرزندان یعقوب، وی را گرامی بدارید. ای بنی اسرائیل، او را بپرستید. او فقیران را فراموش نمی کند و مصیبت آنها را ندیده نمی گیرد. روی خود را از آنها بر نمی گرداند بلکه دعای آنها را می شنود و آنها را اجابت می کند. در حضور جماعت بزرگ تو را خواهم ستود. نظرهای خود را در حضور عزیزانت ادا خواهم نمود. فقیران غذا خواهند خورد و سیر خواهند شد. طالبان خداوند او را ستایش خواهند کرد. باشد که آنان همیشه زنده دل و کامیاب باشند. همه مردم جهان خداوند را یاد خواهند داشت. همه قومها به سوی خداوند باز خواهند نمود و او را پرستش خواهند کرد. زیرا فرمان روایی از آن خداوند است و او به قومها حکومت می کند. همه متکبران در حضور او به خاک خواهند افتاد و او را سجده خواهند کرد. همه انسانهای فانی در حضورش زانو خواهند زد. نسلهای آینده او را عبادت خواهند کرد. زیرا از پدران خود درباره کارهای خدا خواهند شنید. به فرزندانی که بعد از بعد متولد خواهند شد گفته خواهد شد که خداوند قوم خود را نجات داده است. While Peter was speaking, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who were listening to his speech. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the Holy Spirit had been poured out as a gift also to people who were not Jews. They heard them speaking different languages and praising God. Then Peter said, how can anyone object to these people being baptized in water? They have received the Holy Spirit the same as we did. So Peter told them to baptize Cornelius and his relatives and friends in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The second reading is from John 15. Jesus said, I have loved you as the Father has loved me. Now continue in my love. I have obeyed my Father's commands and he continues to love me. In the same way, if you obey my commands, I will continue to love you. I have told you these things so that you can have the true happiness that I have. I want you to be completely happy. This is what I command you. Love each other as I have loved you. The greatest love people can show is to die for their friends. You are my friends if you do what I tell you to do. I no longer call you servants because servants don't know what their master is doing. But now I call you friends because I have told you everything that my father told me. You did not choose me, I chose you, and I gave you this work to go and produce food, food that will last. Then the Father will give you anything you ask for in my name. This is my command, love each other.
So during this week, I wrote a nice reflection. And just for Paul's benefit, it's going to end where I said it would end. But basically, I'm going to throw it away. I'm going to throw it away because actually there is nothing really that I can add to what we have already heard. I was going to talk about my contextual theology degree and how that shaped my thinking and understanding and enabled me to go on learning and growing. Many of you know that I grew up in Northamptonshire and in Northamptonshire is where modern mission began. When a cobbler called William Carey went to a meeting and said, God has called me to go to Africa and share the good news. And he was told by the particular Baptist church of which he was a part that when God wished to, to save the black heathen, God would raise up someone from among them. And he said, no, I will go. Others of you may know that actually Baptist Christianity was born in Northamptonshire or the East Midlands anyway. Um, certainly that part of, of England where I grew up was where the English Reformation was at its most powerful, where people started to say, but what does scripture teach? But what God does God retire of us, require of us even? And it is true that early Baptists were imprisoned and drowned and hanged and burned for their beliefs in these islands and across the world. Persecution is part of our story. But from our earliest days, we have been at our hearts people who celebrate freedom of religion. As one of the earliest Baptists, a general Baptist, a strand with which I identify myself, said, let them be Jews, let them by Turks, which is the language they used in those days to describe Muslims, people who follow the Islamic faith, let them be heretics. In other words, everybody must be free to believe what is authentic for them. When I was at college, we had a, an exchange program with a black African college in South Africa. And students would come over and tell us their story. And they told us the story of how the white missionaries would not allow them to drum or dance in worship. Talash and African friends, I'm sorry for what the white missionaries did there. Holly shared very courageously about her story in her church. Holly and other gay people in our church, I'm sorry for what the church has done to you. And to personalise it, I've been told I'm going to hell because I'm a woman minister. Those who have abused, attacked, condemned those whom God calls who are different from the norm. I apologise to you. Sorry, I forgive you. And I apologise for the ways I may have behaved towards you. But as Tamara has reminded us, and as Stuart Imperio reminded us, God's word speaks to us through Jesus first and foremost, and as Jesus recorded in the scriptures. And in our Bible readings today, we heard some important stuff. We heard what is called by some the Gentile Pentecost, the time when Peter discovered that God was working outside the narrow confines of Judaism and the Holy Spirit was inspiring people of other nationalities and other faiths and other experiences to become followers of Jesus. And they said, well, can we stop these people being baptised? Can we stop them being inside the church? And, and they realised, no, they couldn't. God is not 
confined to our human context or our human norms or our human mores. God works within, but also beyond the church. And then that little bit from the Gospel of John, one of my favourite passages within the Gospel of John, where, Je where Jesus says to his followers, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. You are my friends, you are my equals. And you are my equals if you do what God calls you to do. And what does God call you to do? God calls you to love. In my preparation for this morning, I used a, a book that I love that I've had for about 20 years called Prayers Encircling the World. And we heard a prayer from that at the beginning. We'll hear a blessing from it at the end. Now, I'm a good Baptist. I'm a Baptist by 100% conviction. I'm a general Baptist in theology and I am a, a Zwinglian in, in terms of the sacraments. So I don't do creeds, but I want to state very clearly my faith is enriched by those who do. The church has, through its history, tried to decide what, are, what is the core of what we believe? What are we about? And so I'm going to read for you a contemporary creed, which was written by the Industrial Mission in India around about 20, 25 years ago. But boy, does it speak to us today. I believe in one world full of riches meant for everyone to enjoy. I believe in one race, the family of humankind learning how to live together by the hard way of self-sacrifice. I believe in one life, exciting and positive, which enjoys all beauty, integrity and science, uses the discipline of work to enrich society, harmonizes with the life of Jesus and develops into total joy. I believe in one morality, love, the holiness of sharing the sorrow and joys of others, bringing together people as true friends, working to rid the world of the root causes of poverty and injustice, ignorance and fear. Love the test of all my thoughts and motives. Love, guiding me, controlling me, assuring me of God's forgiveness and giving me confidence under his spirit's control. I believe in Jesus and the Bible's evidence about him, whose life, death and resurrection prove God's lasting love for the world who combines in himself life, love, truth, humanity, reality and God, who saves, guides and unites all people who follow his way. I believe in the purpose of God, to unite in Christ everything, spiritual or secular, to renew society, individuals and nations and to guide all governments under his fatherly direction.
I always seem to find myself leading the intercessions either just before or just after an election. So uh, we will join together in, in words that will be familiar um, from previous elections. Let us pray. Holy God, though this world depends on your grace, it is governed and tended by mortals. So we pray for those who walk the corridors of power in the parliaments of this and other lands, whose judgments we value or fear. We pray especially for all those re-elected or elected for the first time to serve us in the Scottish Parliament this week. May they always consider those they represent, make decisions with courage and integrity, and resist any temptation to abuse the trust placed in them. We pray for those who hold key positions in the worlds of finance, business and industry, whose decisions may profit some or impoverish many. May they always value people higher than profit. May they never impose burdens on the poor which they would not carry for themselves. And may they never divorce money from morality or ownership from stewardship. We pray for those in the caring professions across the world. Often caring for patients without the basic resources that they need to do their jobs. We pray for global leaders in healthcare that they would work to reduce the worldwide health inequalities that have only widened during the COVID-19 pandemic. May they always sense the sanctity of life and every person's uniqueness. May they help and heal by their campaigning and politics as well as their skills. May they be saved from their tiredness and their and an excess of demands. This week from the BMS Prayer Guide, we pray for BNS, BMS partners worldwide who seek to empower and enrich local churches. We think, thank God for BMS's training department and all staff providing training. We pray especially for Dave and Michelle Mahan in Peru, who are working with local leaders to bring about community transformation. Also for BMS worker Genesis Akaye working with farming communities in Uganda. For BMS worker Carlos Teak Joan, who works with the Baptist Convention of Mozambique. And for BMS worker Jane Edwards, working with the Association of Mozambican Christian Lawyers to offer education on legal rights regarding child protection and land use. In our Baptist Union of Scotland, we pray for David Vogan, a care home chaplain, as he seeks to comfort residents and staff, as he is able to by telephone during COVID. We pray for Deniston Baptist Church as they prepare to purchase a new building in Ridry, an exciting time for that congregation. We pray for Denny Baptist Church who ask for prayers for their interim minister, Alan Donaldson, and all leaders in that church at this time. And we pray for the church family of Dingwall Baptist as they serve their local community in many different ways. 
in our own congregation, we give thanks for the diversity of nationalities and opinions within our church. We give thanks that we can work together and worship as one body. We give thanks for the steering and specification groups and all who work behind the scenes on the development. And in our prayer diary, we pray for Jeff and Carol, for Karis, for Fiona and Donnie, for Barbara and Ken, for Edith F, for Essan and Annis, for Paul F and for Lily. We give thanks for each of those people and the work that they do in this congregation and the beautiful work that they do for you in the world. Lord, hear our prayers. And if today we might be the means by which you answer the prayers of others, then may you find us neither death nor defiant, but keen to fulfil your purpose. For Jesus' sake. Amen. blessing today comes from the Anglican Church in Wales. God the sender, send us. God the sent, come with us. God the strengthener of those who go, empower us, that we may go with you and find those who will call you Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.